Welcome to the MetaView Podcast. Hear these non-fungible conversations. They will yield you great knowledge and perspective. But beware, they might also make your brain go boom. So watch your step, because this rabbit hole goes deep. Good luck and have fun. Welcome, Stephen Reed, to the MetaView podcast. Uh, care to share a brief intro to yourself for people who don't know you? Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Pete. It's good to be here. So I describe myself as a teacher, technologist, and coach on the teaching side of things over the past few years. I've taught a number of courses, including How to Dow, Tools for the Regenerative Renaissance, the, Primitive, sorry, the Promise of Decentralization, Intro to Web3, uh, I'm currently studying for a professional certificate in machine learning and artificial intelligence with UC Berkeley. And once I finish that, I'll also be teaching an introduction to AI course. I am a coach. I work one-on-one with people on their hopes and dreams. And uh, for some years now, I've been involved in other projects in the Web3 space. Uh, I currently am involved with a project called metacrisis.xyz. I'm trying to bring more kind of meta-crisis thinking into the Web3 space and explore how Web3 technologies could be useful in, in solving some meta-crisis-related issues. I also lead the development of a platform called Dandelion, which is for regenerative events and co-created gatherings, um, which emerged from the UK Psychedelic Society, which I set up almost... 10 years ago, first as a campaign for the legal regulation of psychedelics, but now it's really a kind of events, arts, cultural organization. And uh, there's there's tons of interesting events on the Dandelion platform for inner and outer regeneration. So, yeah, I have my, my fingers in, in many pies, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't know that you're, uh, you co-founded the Dandelion. I was just on the website the other day. I was trying to create a page for Metafest. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if uh, I'd love your feedback at, at some point, but um, I know that Regions Unite are just uh, about to use it for their upcoming event in in London. Um, it does accept crypt- crypto payments, um, e- either Coinbase Commerce or um, like Optimism, Gnosis Chain, um, other EVM chains. So I'm yeah, I'm hoping it will um, become better known within the Web3 community. Although that's not really where it started, and the the platform is created and, and owned and run by a not-for-profit worker cooperative. I love DAOs, I also love traditional co-ops and I think um, actually they have more in common than many, many people realize, at best at least. Yeah, and co-ops know a lot more about DAOing than the DAO people, than most DAO people. <laughs> right, well many co-ops have had to kind of figure out one way or another well, the human element, that yeah, the, the, the supreme importance of, of quality interpersonal relationships in running such organizations. And I think um, DAOs are often in a process of, of sort of rediscovering that, uh, <laughs> that very important fact over the past couple of years. <laughs> right. And uh, where do you teach all that stuff? You mentioned uh, the How to DAO, you mentioned yeah, a bunch of other stuff. Well, the How to DAO course was actually funded by DAO House or, or DAO House's Uber House. Um, Tools for the Regenerative Renaissance was funded by a project on the Telos blockchain called Seeds. And uh, then some of the other projects I've just offered 
via the Psychedelic Society and they've been advertised on, on Dandelion, which is at dandelion.events. Got it. So they're on, on different uh, different platforms. Yes, but typically like they all end up on Dandelion at, at some point. So that's where if people are interested, they can find the introduction to AI course that I'm teaching. So. Got it. Cool. Yeah, I would love to, I will follow up about all the links and we will include them in the show notes. And I would also love to plug in Dandelion events somehow into Metagame, but we can get into that later. And uh, yeah, I wanted to ask how long have you been in this sort of meta crisis space and how did you find out about it in the first place? Yeah, well, I've been listening to Daniel Schmachtenberger and Jordan Hall and Jamie Wheel and some of these key meta crisis thinkers for probably since 2016, 2017. Typically longer than many people in the Web3 space have kind of been aware of them, although I'm sure there's some exceptions. I'm, I'm good friends with the guys, um, David Filler and Alexander Biner, that started Rebel Wisdom, which I, I, I think you probably uh, are aware of. And so I think I first became aware of their thinking of like, you know, Daniel, um, Jordan and Jamie's thinking through um, Rebel Wisdom YouTube channel. And then um, kind of went down that rabbit hole and like, yeah, sort of you know, listened and read to a lot of what they were, were putting out. Also been to a couple of um, the Emerge conferences. Emerge is a kind of network of metacrisis or metacrisis adjacent and metamodern thinkers. And the last big event of that was in Berlin towards the end of 2021. And um, yeah, really appreciated um, the people that I've met there, including actually my now partner, <laughs> who, I, who I've been uh, um, now been seeing for the past eighteen months. So uh, I appreciate the kind of you know, the, the intellectual connections, and in this um, instance, like also the uh, uh, the connection of, uh, of of a partner to to share life with. I love it. You're really plugged into a bunch of different networks. Yeah, it's been uh, and the, actually the Web three stuff came later. Really, I've been aware of Bitcoin cryptocurrencies uh, for some time since I was using them to sort of purchase psychedelics from the dark web. It was, you know, it was like 2011 time, I guess. But it wasn't till like 2017 that I was like, okay, this crypto stuff is actually really interesting and kind of got um, spent a bit more time getting my head around it. And uh, yeah, I do consider myself a bit of a um, and bridge builder, network weaver, um, joining the dots between different disciplines and thinkers and communities and, and so on. And that's um, been quite useful um, in the context of Metacrisis to XYZ. Yeah, I think it's definitely useful in, in general like to, to build bridges between these communities that kind of uh, have uh, more in common than, than people think like in terms of uh, philosophical alignment. Yeah, and it's been great to see like meta crisis uh, becoming known in the Web three space. Yeah, it's um, you know, some sometimes people talk about meta crisis as a a hyper object, right? Like something that it's almost impossible to really wrap your head around fully. I think Kevin Iwaki has, has used this um, this story of of blind men touching an elephant and depending on what part of the elephant that the blind man touches you know it can, it can imagine that it's uh, something completely different and yeah different communities uh, have their own way of talking about what we could call the, the meta crisis in the web3 community very often it's been talked about as a coordination failure which which is language you also, you also find in um, kind of, you know, from meta crisis thinkers i think one very powerful concept 
that I think we hear more about in sort of the Web3 community now is uh, the concept of the multipolar trap, which possibly your, your listeners are already familiar with it. But um, yeah, that's, that's one example of, I think, a very useful concept that now seems to be getting more consideration in, in the Web3 community. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, you want to to describe? I mean, yeah, most of the listeners uh, probably know about it already, but uh, yeah, there's always the ones that uh, we need to teach these concepts. You want to, yeah. Multipolar trap is essentially a generalization of the prisoner's dilemma. So let's think of an example. So you have a load of villages around the lake that have been sustainably fishing the lake for generations. And then one village starts fishing more than its fair share. And uh, then the second village on the lake might kind of notice that this first village is is taking more than it it should and this is what i find most interesting that 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 second village then they think well you know we're the good guys we we don't we don't want to overfish the lake but if anyone's going to do it it might as well be us (laughs) because you know we don't we don't want these like these first bad guys to kind of end up with all the fish so even though we're the good guys we're you know we're going to have to start doing this and, and other villages might think the same and before you know it you know everyone's overfishing and and then there's no fish left in the lake for for anyone at all but the thing i think is really interesting is multipolar trap is is very often a story about how even good people are driven to do bad things you know it's like even that's those second and third and fourth villages they might not really want to overfish the lake but they somehow feel forced into it by almost this kind of impersonal like otherworldly force even and that 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 force is is sometimes spoken of as as uh, like a deity called called moloch which um of course is, is spoken about a fair bit in the um web3 community there was a a, a moloch dao that people might be aware of from a few years back and that, that language is still quite often invoked so it's i think moloch is actually a very useful concept to pointing at how this is not as simple as just any one person wanting to do the right thing or not. There's actually kind of a, a systemic problem, like a, you know, a coordination failure that we need very often societal level, in this instance, kind of lake level mechanisms to solve. Right, yeah, definitely. And uh, zooming out a bit then, uh, I mean, yeah, Moloch is already pretty zoomed out. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you to to give a brief intro to Meta Crisis itself, the, the concept. Yeah, so looking around the world, people will be familiar that there's a number of, of global challenges that we, we face right now. Climate change, nuclear proliferation, ocean acidification, a um, number of other ecological challenges. We might include then like gross wealth and, and income inequality. Uh, in that basket and the metacrisis thesis is that actually there are common drivers or in that in the language of these of many metacrisis thinkers like generator functions to these these sort of crises and actually it would be much more useful to, to to really understand those those underlying generator functions and and seek to solve for them rather than seeking to kind of solve climate change or solve nuclear proliferation and and so on. This is a couple of reasons for this, at least, I guess. One is that 
it's potentially uh, <laughs> potentially easier, potentially good news. You know, like if if it is the case that the many these many interconnected crises have common drivers, then if we can sort sort out the common drivers, then potentially we solve many crises at once, or you make you make progress on many fronts in in one go. The other insight, I guess, is that we don't want to get into a situation where we we solve you know, one crisis at the expense of others. In some sense, it would you know it's it's always relatively simple to to solve one thing if you have a narrow enough metric. You know, like that's really the dilemma now of, of geoengineering in the context of the climate crisis. You know, if we if we're like okay, well, we simply want to reduce like ocean temperatures for example is a hot topic right now then we might think okay let's you know let's just like you know scatter some substance on the surface of the ocean no problem we've reduced surface temperature you know sea surface temperatures and uh but of course that is very likely to have all kinds of downstream effects knock-on effects that might make other crises worse so in that sense the meta crisis or, or meta crisis thinking is joined up thinking it is holistic thinking it's systems thinking it's um, doing our very best to understand how the our interventions in any one particular domain are likely to affect other domains and uh, whilst acknowledging that that is an impossible task really or like or rather you're never going to get that exactly right however we, you can do better or worse at that um, we currently live in a society where I would suggest m- many people are, are not putting nearly enough attention to like uh, to these systemic consequences of of action of their actions. And whilst we won't get, whilst that will never be perfect, um, it's something we could get better at. We could we could get better at really um, seeking to take account of of what are currently you know, known as externalities. Um, this and externalities, of course, have the problem of plausible deniability which is another kind of really interesting generator function of the meta crisis that it's very often easy to say um say i know take that geoengineering example like oh well we have you know i was just trying to do the uh, the right thing i was just trying to reduce you know sea temperatures and i had no idea that by putting metal into the ocean it would you know cause this problem or that problem it's like well it like maybe if you had thought about it you would have realized it was a problem you know so if if at best, by uh, making this kind of systemic thinking widespread, ubiquitous, then people can no longer kind of use that excuse, can no longer plead ignorance that, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize that my this um, this intervention was going to have these downstream consequences. Uh, it would be great to create a culture where everyone is aware of that possibility and does their very best to, to work out how exactly or what exactly those downstream consequences might be. So there you go. That's, that's a brief intro. Yeah, that's a good intro. And yeah, like one of the most important parts, I guess, about the concept of meta crisis, getting people to, to think holistically. And yeah, I, would have, I wanted to use the same example of pop, pumping the gas into the atmosphere. And uh, yeah, we need to... Um, make this uh, crisis solving not turn into a game of whack-a-mole where just smack at the problem at one place and just pops in another and just just to make the link like with kind of the multipolar trap in the context of climate crisis like you can argue that the way the multipolar trap is showing up there is that countries are uh, hesitant, resistant to be the first to decarbonize their economies because they think well if we decarbonize at great expense and other countries don't bother then we're going to be disadvantaged and which has created this you know this 
this world, this coordination problem of the, the best or maybe even only way to do it is, well, everyone needs to decarbonize it at once. Um, but, but yeah, what exactly is the, is the coordination mechanism for ensuring that that does happen um, such that no country feels like it's going to fall behind by diverting resources to, yeah, kind of transitioning its, its economy away from fossil fuels and so on. Mm, right. Yeah, it's a sad state. I guess now it's... Uh we had this problem in the in the market for decades if not yeah i don't know how, how much longer than that of like yeah it's always the the ones who cut the most corners and the ones who maximize the profits that uh, win and then kind of incentivize others to to do the same it's definitely a, a tough problem uh how do you think uh, this problem could be this perverse incentive could be Yeah, well, I, I mean, just thinking more abstractly, um, I think there's, it's, it's, it's about both inner change, inner development, we might say, and the development of more effective coordination mechanisms over time. So when I say inner development, you know, I mean, kind of personal growth work of expanding our sensitivity and and compassion and awareness of the, the importance sacredness even of all life on this this planet such that for any individual that has done that to, to you know, or that individual is much much less likely to take a decision which would negatively impact life on this this planet it's, it's just come naturally to them you know, to, to avoid taking action that would have those consequences but it's not that simple you know as i said was, was saying earlier like the multipolar trap in many ways is a story about how even good people are driven to do bad things and that's why we also i think need ongoing research on on new ways of coordinating and kind of escaping these these traps but yeah my, my sense is that we we really need both actually and the web3 community of course is very often focused on those um, on the external on you know what clever coordination mechanisms and sort of systems can we come up with and i sometimes find like a little bit lacking in the kind of attention to the inner dimensions and for me they are very much joined up and i mean you can you can easily make that criticism the other way around for other communities you know for for example another community i well mentioned the psychedelic society and the psychedelic community you know you can find many instances there of people maybe uh just getting a little bit stuck and lost in like <laughs> just constantly you know like seeking to do this kind of inner work and, and personal growth work and never quite getting round to the question of okay how do i actually how do i actually have an impact on the world how can i actually put some of this like um you know into into action but yeah i think there's a balance to be struck right definitely yeah i'm glad you mentioned this because i definitely noticed this like both as you said like in the web3 community or not just web3 community but uh, other related communities that are all about okay we need to solve these uh, systemic problems by focusing on like yeah solving the problems themselves and they don't uh, look at themselves as like people who like yeah the people also need to <laughs> grow and like I said like in this on the other side we have this sort of uh, these new age movements which are all about uh, the inner work and uh, like advancing as a human being rather than like trying to focus on systemic changes and we really really need uh, we really need both to 
to want to get anywhere. And my sense, Heath, is that you're someone that, yeah, kind of uh, is already quite uh, aware of that dynamic. And uh, from what I saw of, of MetaFest, which I know you're, you know you're putting a lot of time into right now, that actually you do have people coming from both of those worlds or, you know, or many, many different worlds, you know, contributing to both kind of inner development and the kind of outer development. Um, for example, I saw that, that, that Hansi Freinacht of, of Meta Moderna is one of the, the, the speakers at, at MetaFest, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and so, so of course, for people that aren't familiar with Hansi and Meta Moderna, like that's, um, well, at least the, the first book and best known book, Listening Society, is, yeah, is very much focused on, has one, one big focus on, on that kind of inner development side of, of things. Actually, the idea of, of metamodernism you know, applies as much to cultures and you know, civilizations as it does to, to individuals. But certainly, Hansi is, is well outside the Web3 space. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy to see that you're bringing together a real diversity of, of thinkers there in a few weeks' time. Yeah, yeah I, tried, uh, I created a grant actually for uh, the project that he started called the ARC, the Arch Disciplinary Research Center. Uh, but it uh, didn't do very well in the in the Gitcoin, the last Gitcoin round. <laughs> Maybe that's better next time. Well, I, that, that, this was the Meta Crisis round. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so this is, um, uh, what I mentioned I've been working on Meta Crisis to XYZ, and one of the, the main um, tasks there has been coordinating, well, first, so far just one quadratic funding round, but um, the intention is for there to be more. The, the first one was an experiment and in many ways a failed experiment I would say um, in the first instance simply due to the fact it was on Ethereum mainnet and we had such high gas costs that um, it didn't really have the intended effect of being a genuine exercise in collective intelligence of the meta crisis community um, it seemed to have more to do with who already has friends that have Ether in their wallets and like already have Gitcoin passports and so on and most of the projects that did well were kind of OG projects that were already quite well connected. And um, but in the, in the future, I hope that changes. And I think moving and just one simple thing is moving to a layer two. I think I guess it will probably be public goods network now at this point. The next round will be run on uh, making it very cheap and hopefully increasingly easy to donate. I think this might be a much better exercise in collective intelligence intelligence of the broader meta crisis community. I personally would love to see things like. Arc uh, funded in the future. Yeah, the last round was definitely tricky <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, just, it wasn't possible to donate anything, uh, any smaller amounts, which kind of defeated the purpose of the, the matching. But yeah, hopefully it will be sold with uh, the L2 solutions. And uh, yeah, like the the way I usually explain the meta modernism, or at least the book one from Hansi. It's kind of the flip side of the meta crisis. So, like, okay, it recognizes all the same problems, but instead of focusing directly on the big systemic changes, it focuses on like how to help each individual uh, grow. And then, with the idea that like if we had uh, a lot more people who are better developed, then it would be easier to solve all of these problems because yeah, you'd have people who are actually interested and capable of doing doing so that's certainly a really important part of it and that's what the part that i was thinking of when i was speaking a bit before but but then as i was speaking i was thinking of things like and um, the book reinventing organizations which is actually more based on integral theory which is you know slightly different to method modernism but you know, as a big overlap as i guess you're aware and so yeah reinventing organizations and the concept of teal organizations i think is, is very powerful it's actually 
required reading for all new uh, new colleagues at the worker cooperative that I, I work with. We we seek to work in this this teal way, and yeah, of course, a big part of that is the author there even suggested re- really to work in a for an organisation to be teal, like a critical mass of the individuals have also to be teal or kind of you know working at that level of development. And yeah, I think like integral theory of modernism is, is, is an extremely useful, extremely powerful and actually quite practical concept in my uh, experiments and, and discoveries. And yeah, we'd be keen for that to become better known in the Web3 space. It's definitely one of my favorite, if not my favorite book in the past few years. Reinventing organizations or the listening society? Uh, the listening society and the Nordic ideology. Mm. But reinventing organizations is also a great book I would Definitely recommend anybody who is in the DAO space or the Meta Crisis space. And uh, yeah, would you care to give a brief intro to Meta Modernism for those who don't know it? Mm, well, let me see. Um, so I think I'd probably be more comfortable like talking about um, reinventing organizations, actually, which you know, and in terms of it being both being a developmental stage theory, it, it's, it's a heavy overlap. So shall I spend a couple of minutes on that? Uh, sure. Yeah. So. In many ways, I think it's more kind of accessible talking about it at the level of organizations. So the idea in reinventing organizations is that human cultures and human organizations have developed over time in somewhat predictable and recognizable sequence involving growing complexity in different forms of order. So have so-called red organizations, examples of which might be street gangs or mafia that are based on hierarchies of of violence essentially like the, the the strongest the most violent people like rise to the top and essentially exert control over the organization via that means later and, and these are some of the earliest forms of of organization uh, not saying that all you know it's certainly not the case that all kind of indigenous societies were organized in in those ways but maybe we could say like a early kind of you know western um, organizations at least then uh, you have amber organizations, examples of which might be armies, like military forces or churches, where there are still very, typically very strong hierarchies, but the hierarchies are not exclusively based on violence, at least. They're often based on an appeal to a higher power, like the, the people at the top of the church are there in some sense because they are supposedly like closer to God or they have some stronger connection to, you know, to God or in the case of an army it's, it, the, the higher power essentially is the nation state is, is patriotism that um, gives people some credibility or legitimacy supposedly to, to be at the top of these hierarchies next you have orange organizations and which the classic example of which is the kind of modern corporation so still typically very hierarchical but the hierarchies here at least supposedly are based on merit there's like you know, it's the meritocracy and anyone with enough talent can can rise to the top if they're playing at least if they're playing by the rules of the system which often means profit maximization you know if you're the kind of person that can can help a corporation make loads of money then you know you deserve to be at the top of that organization and then you uh then you have green organizations next so this would be like many kind of modern ngos uh maybe kind of many of the kind of um modern tech companies that and the analogy here would be like organization is family like there is there is a genuine sense of of care for employees they might employees might enjoy really good benefits like you know holiday and good quality sick pay and uh, and time off when they have children and and so on and there might be 
at least some attempts to actually consult employees on how their desires for the future of, of the organization. However, most of the time, green organizations are still ultimately owned by one person, a small number of people, or possibly controlled, uh, run by like a, either a small, one or a small group of people, or alternatively absentee shareholders for the, for the sake of, of profit maximization. And when you get teal organizations, so the analogy here is organization as living system. Teal organizations often arranged not as hierarchies, but as circles of circles using systems like sociocracy or, or holacracy or, or similar. And at, at best, teal organizations are actually also uh, owned by the, the people that are contributing to them. They have this this sense of, of, of truly like being an, an, an organism with all the different parts of the organism working in some kind of, of, of harmony rather than there being yeah, this central command of, of any description. So my sense is that like, even if people aren't familiar with that framework or that language, so that, that people have this intuition that that is, the, that is what many DAOs could be or they would like, kind of like their DAO to be is a teal organization that is working in this kind of organic, um, fluid fashion that we might liken to, to a kind of, you know, biological organism and uh, to have done away with uh, hierarchies and, and ownership structures and, and even kind of goals in terms of profit, profit maximization of past organizations. So that's, that's integral theory like applied to organizations, but you can apply similar stage theory to individuals or even to kind of whole human cultures. Um, one of the things that makes it so interesting and powerful in the way that it uh, can be applied across so many different scales. That's a great summary. Yeah, it's kind of the the Bible of the future of work. <laughs> Anybody who's in the DAO space and hasn't yet read it, I would definitely uh, recommend. Like kind of red DAOs out there, DAOs that are being governed by violence. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, but uh, there probably are a bunch of orange DAOs. I know there's a lot of uh, DAOs kind of LARPing as DAOs, but really like having a corporate structure. Yeah, de- decentralization theatre is this nice term that I read a few times. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very, very, very useful and, um, and, uh, and, I mean, and very toxic, really. <laughs> like, it's uh, essentially kind of extractive on the goodwill of the space. You know, people are attracted to this space because they, they, they believe that, wow, this is something you know, truly decentralized where, like, ownership genuinely is being shared and, and so on. And some DAOs, it seems to me, are basically taking advantage of, of that goodwill and people's trust in this space. I mean, I think I, this is, this, at least this was the case a couple of years ago. I think many people are <laughs> much more um, pessimistic, realistic, cautious, if you like, of the DAO label now, and which is a good thing. You know, people are just looking more carefully about, okay, like, you know, what exactly do we mean when we say this is, is a DAO? Just because that has that label doesn't necessarily mean... It is any better than you know your your average um, you know private company or or, or profit maximizing corporation. However, I still think there's a huge amount of potential for in the DAO space. I think at, at best, I would suggest DAOs are um, global by default or borderless multi-stakeholder cooperatives, and uh, where both the voting rights and the economic rights are, are you know, being shared by the people that are actually contributing 
I think yeah we have a, have a way to go before um, we kind of really realize the, the kind of Dow visions that were being discussed a few years back. Yeah. Yeah, I wish there was some kind of a test or a standard or something that would uh, make it easy to discern like which DAOs are actually DAOs and which are not. But the issue is that like, we don't even have a clear definition of what is a DAO. So <laughs> it's kind of an impossible task at this point. Are you familiar with Joke Race? Joe Grace. Joke Race. Yeah, Joke Race is a, um, uh, doing some really interesting work on t- tokenless DAOs. <laughs> So one thing that I think we can say is like clearly uh, problematic in many, many cases is token-based voting where the token can be freely bought and sold. Like this is just obviously plutocratic. It just obviously means that anyone with enough money, if they want to, can just buy a load of tokens and then can like basically take control of the DAO. And, you know, some people are fine with that or if you know often the, pe- the people that are fine with that are the people that created the token <laughs> and are basically just using the token as a way of, of of exiting you know which i and i respect that some you know people do need to make a living people do need to find ways of, of exiting but this is clearly like a you know like a it's not interesting to me and you know any dow that essentially is plutocratic and can be taken over simply by people with enough money like and so joke race are doing some really interesting experiments in uh, where this isn't possible, and they have they have a, a bunch of kind of different alternative ways to experiment with that, um, which I wouldn't feel qualified to speak on in, in detail now. But Joke Race also Chase Chapman, who runs I think the podcast is called The Other Side, right? Um, I think has done some is, is doing some really interesting thinking of like DAOs beyond uh, transferable um, or, or purchasable tokens. At least I think it's important that we give some serious thought to that that area to just avoid essentially recreating you know corporations as with shareholder structures as we know them yeah just on-chain corporations we don't want that <laughs> yeah i've been ranting about that on this uh, on the other series the the frontiers of coordination series podcast i've been ranting about that a lot and the meta game we've been uh, doing it uh, one person one vote since the beginning although that also has its issues so in the next uh, the next instance when we're launching the DAO, I will have uh, like half of the voting power will be, will be based on uh, reputation and the other half will be based on uh, liquidity positions, but it also won't be like permissionless, so you won't be able to just add liquidity and instantly have voting power, but like add liquidity and then stake those tokens inside the DAO and get voted inside the DAO. So people will still need to make a proposal like, okay, why should they be given voting power? Yeah, I think it's it's almost certainly there's a sweet spot, right? And the sweet spot will vary for different, you know, use cases and sectors and so on. It's probably fine in most cases to have a certain fraction of the voting and economic rights of the DAO that are able to be bought, essentially. But and the idea that, you know, become this strange default, or ha- the last few years we've had this strange default of like, you know, basically 100% of the DAO can be simply bought, which seems, I think we'll, when we look back on it, we'll, we'll think that was insane, that like that's just how this first, this first generation of DAOs were, were running. And I'm super happy that people are doing, well, including yourselves, you know, really experimenting with this now. Yeah, it seems there's definitely a lot more people aware of this issue than like a year or two ago. And then, uh, yeah, zooming back out again. So uh, talking about the metacrisis.xyz, so we n- now people know what is the meta crisis. So what is the meta crisis dot X Y Z, and uh, 
what is he trying to do or like in what ways is he trying to address the meta crisis yeah well i would say it's still early days for meta crisis to xyz one role that we have established is um, coordinating these funding rounds as i mentioned right now meta crisis to xyz essentially is a kind of umbrella or is a network of different projects that are working on the meta crisis right now there aren't so many projects of meta crisis to xyz itself but for example uh, through the meta crisis to xyz forum I, I met uh, Sam and Andrea, and we started a project called Reforge the Ring, which is based on a very interesting early like 2017 blog series by Daniel Schmachtenberger on a new economic system, um, where he talks about this, he calls this um, this like unholy trinity of accumulation, uh, extraction, and abstraction as like, key drivers of kind of economic crisis, or like, or if you like, the kind of the, the problems that our economic system is, is creating in the world. So we we participated in the first Meta Crisis to XYZ funding round and we've just recorded the first episode of our podcast and we're lining up further guests now. So um, in that sense, Meta Crisis to XYZ for us was like, a, it was a place to meet, it was a place to start bringing in some funding and yeah, just sort of work, work out and, and, and launch an idea that we're now all quite passionate about. So. That's certainly one possibility for the future that we might kind of actually organize kind of like um, meetups and matchmaking sessions and kind of accelerators and, and so on for, for people that are interested in meta crisis related problems to, to find the others and to actually get going on, on projects. And it might be that meta crisis XYZ itself does, does actually develop some more concrete streams of work beyond simply coordinating others. There is a wiki.metacrisis.xyz which has a bit of like AI magic sprinkled on it and uh, has kind of timestamped uh, transcripts of all of uh, Daniel Schmachtenberger's talks on the metacrisis and so on along with definitions of many metacrisis related terms that are mentioned in those those talks so that is really is the um, that's the beginning in a way of this mapping the meta crisis project which we've had a few meetings about in meta crisis to xyz already um, i think there are many many more ways we could um, be mapping the meta crisis beyond simply kind of mapping the language which is what really what the wiki is about and so there's Brandon Norgard and, and Andrea, who I mentioned already, have, um, have been writing some good stuff about that. So that's something you may see coming out of Metacrisis to XYZ over the, the coming months more. What ways of mapping the Metacrisis? Bearing in mind this thing about it being a hyper object, you know, there being, I don't think there's any one true way to map the Metacrisis, one right way, but it's created you know, di- different maps, different, different ways of, of looking at it, all of which have some insight and are helpful. In, in some way or to some groups of, of people. So, yeah, watch this space for that. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that you you started the Reforged Ring podcast and Andrea is actually coming to, to Metafest. Ah, yes, she, she mentioned that. Yeah, I know she's really looking forward to it. So, yeah, I encourage people to seek out Andrea and, and, and have some chats on these topics if um, they're listening to this. Awesome. Yeah, the, definitely. Like, just... Uh, just having this wiki with uh, the list of concepts and uh, like, yeah, the, the ideas behind the meta crisis and uh, aggregating projects is already, I think, a big uh, value unlock. Yeah, and I hope that in the future there will be more collaboration across projects. And I, I suspect that many of the 
the projects that applied for the first quadratic funding round weren't aware of each other. So there's a kind of discovery process going on. Reforge the Ring, for example, has a... Um, We've, we've made good friends with um, Mycelia, or, or DSDAO.xyz, who are working on, well, their project was called Indigenous Public Goods for Global Coordination. They're, they have very good connections with Indigenous people, um, particularly in, in Brazil. And they alerted me to the fact there's some, there's some really interesting thinking coming from Indigenous people about Web3. Um, there's a, what's it called, the, the Cyber, in, I think it's Cyber Indigenous manifesto i'll find the link anyway or i'm sure it's it's available on myteliauni.substack.com yeah we'll find it but there's so indigenous folks have, have actually written this kind of like manifesto of how they would like to use and be included in in web3 and in the future of the internet and i thought that was super interesting because we you know very often we think of indigenous peoples as being more connected to kind of ancient technologies rather than future ones but this is starting to change in some cases and i think there's very likely lots of um, useful insights that will will, will come out of such communities awesome yeah i've seen uh, a bunch of cool projects uh, listed in the meta crisis uh, around oh i didn't know this exists so that's definitely yeah, a good point and definitely useful. Uh, so, yeah, is there any any other or one of your projects that you would like to, to touch on before we start wrapping it up? So one thing I haven't mentioned actually is um, Futurecraft residencies. So I uh, ran the first one of these uh, a couple of months ago in the southwest of the UK and we'll be running another future crop residency in Costa Rica in December at a place called Brave Earth which is one of the most incredible places on the planet as far as I'm concerned. It's like a, a small regenerative eco-village a couple of hours north of, of San Jose that doing a fantastic job of including and supporting the local population as well as gathering all kinds of interesting medicine holders and wisdom keepers from across the, the globe and the, the founders also are very kind of thoughtful politically engaged types um, one of the the co-founders a friend of mine Alma Lata has just co-written a book called post-capitalist philanthropy which I, I highly highly recommend next future craft residency will happen happen in Costa Rica at Brave Earth the these are it's going to be a week long and we're going to have lots of juicy conversations about AI, Web3, DAOs, um, kind of cutting edge technologies of the future. Uh, but I co-facilitate it also with my dear friend Anna Ling, who is a yoga instructor and, and choir leader. So we do plenty of, um, of like movement and, and singing. Uh, my friend uh, Jay, who thinks a lot about imagination the nature of creativity and, and the future of education and bring some fantastic content on those topics and finally my, my partner laura who brings authentic relating uh, group dialogue practices and the various ways of helping us attune to to the group to become sensitive to the group field so we got great feedback on this on the first residency that that we did and really looking forward to, to doing this again in, in costa rica soon and i mentioned it because it kind of connects with what we were saying earlier in the the call about uh, like the importance of both inner and and outer development in seeking some if not resolution like uh, progress on on the meta crisis that yes it's it's super important to 
be you know, thinking about these new coordination mechanisms and how can we use Web3 to deal with things like multipolar traps and so on. But there's, there's also a really important piece about just becoming really excellent human beings and learning how to be kind and, and understanding to one another. And that is, you know, both of those things are, are, are present, are a focus in of the, these future craft residencies. So, um, yeah, I wonder whether there might be a few people, maybe including yourself, Pete, who are kind of attracted by that that mix. Um, if so, um, yeah, look out for that. Yeah, honestly, sounds great. And uh, if you're still accepting people, I will include it in the in the podcast show notes as well. Yes, well, actually, uh, it's it's not even live, actually, the, the event page for the next one, but it will be very soon. So, um, yeah, we can certainly direct people to, to somewhere where they will be able to find out uh, yeah, in many ways, it sounds like it has a lot in common with um, with MetaFest, and I'm, I'm 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 gutted I won't be able to be at MetaFest. Um, I have another commitment, um, Medicine Festival in the UK, but I feel like there's there's a, there's real gold here in this um, in this like coming together of different tribes in the in the way that you're you're organising there. Uh, yeah, and in the very particular context, right of what have we had like like record global temperatures for four days in a row at the time of speaking it's bio Kamalafe, a very interesting thinker philosopher says the times are urgent so let us slow down i think it's important that we take note that on many fronts we are reaching really critical points certainly you know when we think of climate and, and the ecological crisis that doesn't mean we should just kind of rush into things and you know and freak out uh, I think it does mean, however, that we should ask some really hard questions about the work that we're doing. For example, you know, folks in the Web3 space, and I include myself in that, about like, are we truly convinced this is kind of aligned with um, a flourishing of life on this this planet and a, a thriving future for humanity? Because it seems to me that we do need all hands on deck at, at this point you know, and, and all kind of really like working for a thriving future and there's the positives of the last of the bear market has been that it's like it's it's killed off a whole load of greed and bullshit in in the web3 community which is good news as far as i'm concerned there's still quite a lot left (laughs) so like the the more of that that we can you know that can just fall away and we can be left with a a kind of web3 that feels like truly aligned with with you know the, the good of all life on this planet the better and and one one simple way for that to happen is for you know for each of us that are working in this space to just tune in with like yeah like is is what i'm doing like truly truly valuable um so i'm sure lots of um, these juicy conversations will will happen at, at metafest so looking forward to hearing how that goes over the next weeks yeah and it's one of the the big parts of metagame thinking about like okay so why why does this matter like what's the bigger picture behind this and then like education educating the people who don't know it because especially in the balkans there's a yeah people i mean in general i think the people have a not good uh, idea of crypto like with all the scams and the hype and like not so many useful things coming out at least not uh, in a visible way it's just yeah the the whole vision has gotten murky both for the people who are in the space as well as people outside the space so i think it's important and yeah the the bear market is cleansing 
I like it. <laughs> really um, appreciate the the time and space, mental space, just to kind of go back to first principles because it's it's uh, it's so attractive, addictive, even even to the even to the best of us. You know, when prices are rising and feels like you know everyone's flying and. The, and but in many cases it, it, it is simply a, a distraction and an illusion right and um, just because um, like number go up does not mean we're, we're necessarily having any meaningful and sustainable impact on the, the, the thriving of life on this this planet and I'm grateful to, to you for this uh, you know for hosting this not just this episode but all of the episodes that you've hosted on this this podcast where you've been asking some really important questions and great to hear that that's happening in the context of, of metagame as, as well yeah i appreciate you coming on and this was great and uh, yeah like we're still a niche within a niche but uh i really think we can we can grow this thing yeah me too nice well yeah thanks for having me and yeah speak to you again soon awesome thank you for coming on and talk to you soon have a great day <laughs>